What's up, everyone? Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast, episode number 24. Today, I have uh, Reginald Andre with me from Arc Solvers in Miami. And we have a special guest with us that's not really a guest. He's going to be joining our show moving forward. And that's Randy Bryan from Tech Rescue down in Texas, right? I got that yes, right. Sir. You're, you're right near Louisiana, but you're not quite in Louisiana. Oh, we're in the middle of Texas, yeah. No, you're in the middle of Texas. Okay, so you're in, you're in, the, you're in the deep part of Texas. What city are you by? So San Marcos. We're, we're between Austin and San Antonio. Okay, cool. So welcome, Randy, to our show. We're happy to have you. Um, we're glad you decided to make the mistake of saying you wanted to join our podcast. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of fun on this on this uh, podcast. We bring you the business side of cybersecurity. So we don't talk tech here. We just keep it to the business level and what it means to you and your business, whether you own one or you work in one. Nobody wants to be the cause of a ransomware attack or a cyber attack where they work. So we kind of talk to both mainly the business owners, but we also educate the employees in the hopes that one day maybe they'll talk to their boss because they're not doing something that we're talking about on this show. Uh, but, you know, the three of us here, we don't get paid for this. So please remember the only way that we get the word out is by you telling your community, the people that you're friends with on social media and in your circles about our podcast. So share us out on your social media, wherever you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, give us a five-star rating and maybe take 15 to 30 seconds of your life and write a little review and let other people know why they should be listening to this podcast and what value it brings to you. So without further ado, let's do our check-ins. How are you, Andre? Hey, doing well. I'm actually on vacation right now. <laughs> How are you on vacation right now? I'm on vacation. I visited my uh, sister up. I was in Virginia for about uh, since last week, Friday. Right, and okay. um, technically, I don't go back to the office on Monday, but I, I, I definitely don't want to miss um, our conversation. So I, I came in and, and sneaked out for a little while. So, but you are at home. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back home now. Yeah, I was in Virginia for about five days. Good. Cool. All right, so uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Randy Bryan. How are you today? Doing pretty, pretty good, man. Glad to be here. Good. We are, we are absolutely thrilled to have another member to this team. It's always uh, important for us as we go through this journey of educating people about something that's so new and fluid uh, that we have as many minds getting put into this as possible. And we're glad that you decided to, to join us. And we look forward to your insights uh, on the topics that we're going to to discuss. So before we jump into our main topics that we're going to talk about, which are basically three massive ransomware attacks that happened in the last week, is there anything you guys want to share that could be helpful to a business owner or somebody who works in a business, manages a business that maybe you've experienced in the, in the last week or so that you want to share personally. I don't really have much. Uh, I have one. I'll go. Go ahead, Andre. All right. So we are per currently going through all our, our service contracts and essentially sorting it by profitability. And we have um, probably a good chunk of clients where we're essentially 
if not breaking even, almost breaking even. Like we're very that close. So we're now in that process of actually um, talking to these clients, explaining to them, hey, we haven't like raised our prices since 2017 and we, we need to like restructure this contract. A lot of things have changed. And um, so far, the two clients I've spoken to actually says, I totally get it. I've been waiting for you to tell me you're, all my other vendors are raising prices and you're the only one that had the same contract since 2017. So that was kind of a good positive news that what I was a little afraid of that conversation, but clients are actually um, uh, expecting that. Wow. Yeah, yeah I was going to add there. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I said anything, Randy, you want to add there? Yes. Uh, sorry. I was, I, I would say that that's definitely something that all of us as business owners are going to have to get used to uh, this, this year for sure with all of the uh, shortages that have, that are happening and have been happening because of COVID and supply disruption and all that stuff. Um, we're going to have probably have inflation and we're going to have to be able to get comfortable with, you know, passing those prices on to our, our customers. Um, it's just going to be fact of life in 2021, it seems like. That is definitely, I've been saying for a long time, um, probably on this podcast, but I know on my YouTube channel that one of the things that's going to drive inflation is the cost of, of being needing to do these things. And businesses quickly need to pivot and do cybersecurity properly if they don't want to end up on the news like we saw with the the JB Meat company and the uh, the MTA in New York and Fuji Film that got hit today. So if you don't want to be in the headlines like these companies were, you need to start spending more money on cybersecurity. And you know, I'm not bashful in saying that we know most businesses out there are not spending enough money on cybersecurity, and unfortunately, that's going to drive your costs up. You're going to have to charge more for your products and your services in order to protect your network and your data that your customers entrust you with. And that's the thing that I always harp on is like running a business is a right and a privilege at the same time. But you're, when you have a customer, you're privileged to work with those individuals, right? And the, the privilege to work with them there's an implied kind of uh, expectation that when I do business with somebody that they're going to protect my information and they're not going to let other people who shouldn't have it get to that information. So and we're going to dive into these, these, these attacks today. Um, but do you guys have anything you want to add to, to that? Nope. All good. So, Quick, I'm quickly sharing out our podcast to my social media. And now that I've done that, uh, I am going to flip up our first article here that we're going to share. Uh, and we're going to jump right into the, um, well, actually, I mean, if you haven't, if, unless you've been living under a rock the last 48 hours or so, um, you, you may or may not know that this meat packing company called JBS, which I I saw in a report that I read the other day that they supply 45% of the United States beef and poultry and pork to supermarkets. Yep. I mean, you know, 
And and like if I remember correctly, the Colonial Pipeline attack, it was kind of around the same type of number where they provided like 45% of the of the gas and oil to at least the East Coast or Southeast portion of the country. We're talking about major suppliers where if they have a problem, there's going to be ripple effects that are felt throughout the supply chain and throughout, you know, people's lives because people need food. People want to go to the supermarket and see, you know, when you walk into a supermarket, your expectation is, is that the meat container where they have the refrigerated meat is going to be full of a selection of meat that you can, that you can pick from. And when cyber attacks start affecting things like that, that's when this appears to become a big deal, um, which is kind of funny to me because in order for people to start taking this seriously, you really need to see meat not on the shelves when we've had attacks against hospitals, we've had attacks against our own government, yet these are the ones that garner the headlines in basically all the major news outlets. Again, I said this, I think, in one of our last two podcasts, the solar winds got a lot of play in the press, in the media, but in my opinion, the Colonial and this JBS got way more hype and way more press from the from the consumer level news outlets like like MSNBC, CNN, you know your local news stations like my local news uh, ABC channel here in Philadelphia literally did a story on the JBS ransomware attack. They may have touched on the solar winds. I don't think they did, quite frankly. Um, I think the, the national ABC news picked up on the solar winds. I don't think our local news was really talking about solar winds that much, but they did pick up on Colonial and they did pick up on JBS. So I just want your take on that because we know there have been what I would consider more sensitive targets that have been hit in the past that didn't get this kind of play. So what are your thoughts on that, Andre? No, you hit it right on the, on the head where, especially with the solar winds attack, there was no, it wasn't like a big deal because it didn't affect that regular consumer. So, um, you know, thank God I'm vegan, so I don't have to worry too much about the prices. But nevertheless, for all you bacon lovers out there, um, it's definitely going to affect because what they essentially had to do was to shut down, um, I believe it was five of their plants that they had to shut down um, in order to start to remediate the situation. Yep. And up on the screen, uh, you know, I don't want to get, Randy, do you have anything you want to share on that yeah. before I jump yeah. into this? Well, the reason that you're seeing these on the local news is because at the end of the day, the news makes their money from the clicks and the views. And your average person out there, you know, yeah, solar winds, bad hack and all that stuff. They don't really care so much because it doesn't affect them personally. But Colonial pipeline hack. I mean, I have friends and family on the East Coast that literally didn't have gas. And, you know, this uh, this JBS um, meatpacking plant or, you know, the company hack. Same thing. I mean, I've seen uh, barbecue places that have stopped selling beef uh, yeah. because they're already short in supply, you know, because of the pandemic. And, you know, now this, um, you know, things like this make people click. 
and and watch and get people get people's interest. So I think that's why they they picked him up. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a, a good assessment of, of that situation because, yeah, I mean, we've known for a long time that this has been an issue in the business world. Um, it's just starting. They're just starting to pick and choose their targets uh, better, in my opinion, these cyber criminals, because they know the impact if they hit the, if they once they have access to that network and they know who they're dealing with, they can kind of gauge like, OK, if we take down these systems, it's going to affect some level of, of supply for a certain resource. And when that when you're up against that as, as a company, you really have no choice to but to a get the government involved to see how much they can help you and b pay the ransom to get things back up quickly. So what else do you want to add, Randy? Well, so much so much of our our supply chain has gone to just in time mm-hmm. uh, manufacturing. Yep. And, you know, that all works great when there's not a pandemic and there's not hacks and things like that. But it's just having a huge ripple effect now um, because, you know, one slowdowns because of the pandemic um, slowdowns in demand, you know, create slow uh, the supplies cause the supplies to go down um, because there's less demand for them, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, next thing you know, we're, we just, we just have a supply chain that's full of holes. Right. Um, so there's going to be a lot more uh, repercussions from these things that we really can't foresee um, at least the average people like us, we're not gonna be able to for, foresee them. Um, that'll you know come out very soon. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that too, and that's really good perspective that you have around the just-in-time uh, situation that we have going on in a lot of in a lot of our supply chain and a lot of the way that things get to our houses, our cars, and on our table. Um, it, it's you know, it, things move very quickly because of technology and technology. And a lot of this stuff that, you know, used to happen without technology is very reliant on technology today in order mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, basically get food on your table. Um, and so let's move into kind of this article that is related to the JBS, but it's the White House kind of putting pressure on private businesses And the headline from CNBC is right here. Business leaders must take urgent action to counter ransomware threat. White House warns in memo. And again, this is published today. It was in response to the JBS ransomware attack. Because quite frankly, I I wish I could share my, maybe I can pull it up in a little bit. Um, Yesterday, I, I decided to go on the dark web because that's what I do. Um, and I like to play around and I like to, you know, I like to do things and, and I don't hack. I do ethical hacking. Um, but I went on the dark web just to kind of see what um, our friends over at Revel were, were up to. Um, and, you know, their, their happy blog that they have on the dark web, literally when you, the, the homepage is every company that they've attacked that currently has ransomware on their system and is refusing to negotiate or pay. They're literally like notes on their website. I'll show you the screen grabs that I pulled up and we can kind of talk about it if we have time towards the end. Um, I did post it on Twitter and a couple other social media places to kind of show people like what the heck is going on out there. 
Um, but like these threats are real. These aren't a joke. And the Biden administration is kind of warning business owners as I don't know. I know you guys pretty well. This is what the three of us have been doing for well over a year, probably two years plus. Right. And it falls on deaf ears a lot of times because we look at we, we're looked at as not so much people who want to help solve a major problem, but as people who are looking to make money off of, you know, a problem or, you know, something that, you know, quite frankly, I think a lot of people before this stuff started hitting the news like this thought ransomware and cyber criminals were like the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the first thing here, uh, I'm going to just hit the key points and then I'll run through kind of the, the, uh, the article itself, but the Biden administration is urging corporate executives and business leaders to take immediate steps to prepare for ransomware attacks. So what are some immediate steps that businesses could take? Because this is all great from a executive order, high level. This is what businesses need to do. What the hell does that mean? Like to you guys, what does the Biden administration telling corporate executives and business leaders to take immediately steps to prepare for ransomware attacks. And he's not, and I'll watch the wording here and I, and we'll, we'll see if it's accurate reporting as we get down in the article, but they're not saying take immediate steps to prepare for better security or cybersecurity. They're basically saying you're going to get hit with ransomware. Get ready. Mm-hmm. For, for so long, what security practices are put in place has been dictated by budget or if maybe someone in the ownership of the company, you know, didn't feel like that was necessary. Like a lot of stuff has been dictated and really what this, this, it just brings to the front how important it is right now to stop making decisions like that. Like, you would never like cancel your health insurance to save like 500 bucks um, unless you were desperate, desperate, desperate. But that's going to be like the last thing on your list you're going to you're going to cancel. And your your cybersecurity has to take a similar level of importance in your business or else, you know, <laughs> like this is just coming out and saying be ready and it's urgent. Don't mess around any longer. Do something about it because it's real out there and it's coming and it's just a matter of time. And, you know, move now while you have time. And and it, it's got to be something you're willing to put money towards. And you can't just say, well, you know, do backups. But, you know, I don't really want you to do backup testing because that yeah. takes too much time and that's expensive, et cetera. Yeah. Andre? Yeah, and this is very similar. If you remember back in October of last year when the FBI and the Health Human Services, they gave a warning saying, look, we see chatter, we, we're hearing stuff that they're coming after us bad. So like, it's like very similar because right after that happened, you just saw hospital after hospital get start getting ransomware attacks. So I'm pretty sure that's about to, you know, like they said, it, it's going to happen. And especially with that concentration of, of like the meat market, I was I am um, just to add to that as well. Um, 80% of the meat is from four corporations that, that, that processes and packages are meat, 80%. So that just, um, that's like, for me, that's like a national security issue. It's like if some, if, a, if four companies 
mm-hmm. take care of 80% of our market, then like that's, that's our food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a staggering number for me is like people don't have this perspective until things like this happen. I, I bet you most people don't realize that three or four companies deal with, you know, 90% of your fuel delivery or your food delivery. Like, you know, yes, there's a lot of little farms out there and there's places where this stuff is purchased from, but those companies have contracts with all these farmers and all these producers, and it all goes through these entities. And that's what we're talking about here. Like there are just a handful of companies that control a lot of different things that impact your life. And that's the important thing. I think that these cybersecurity deficiencies are are pointing out to society along, you know, along with the cybersecurity deficiencies. It's like, Oh my God, like if this one company goes offline, we really could see a major spike in meat prices. Um, and that's, and I think that's something that, that people really need to think about in, in terms of how is that how they, they really want things to be done. Um, and the government needs to look at it. Like, you know, we saw way back when with the banks too big to fail, mm-hmm. right? Well, how many of these companies that are part of the supply chain for the things that Americans love um, and and really, you know, identify with at the end of the day, um, how, you know, how, how big is too big to fail for them, right? You know, if, if 40 to 50 percent of, of the one company could cause 40 or 50 percent of the supply to just go away or or, or put the, put the pause button on. I don't know. For me, that's a problem. I don't know what you guys think. Oh, definitely. It's definitely a problem. It's also an opportunity for some smaller companies with smaller scales, you know, who can build networks between I'm thinking in Texas, literally within five miles of my business, there's probably 10,000 cows. <laughs> and, and I can think of two or three, Meat, plac- meat packing plants that are small, family owned. Man, if someone could could put those together, um, you know, and on a smaller scale, this might be a good opportunity for people to start new businesses like that. Amen. So, next thing they mentioned here is the threats are serious and they are increasing, and that's uh, written by Ann Newberger, the President Joe Biden's Deputy National Secretary. <laughs> security advisor for cyber and emerging technology. Um, I don't know. I just look at that as kind of somebody who's stating the obvious, but I live in this world. So let's break this down for the average person who, you know, doesn't even know what ransomware is for the most part. Why are these threats increasing and, you know, why are they so serious? I think we've covered why they're so serious, but why are they increasing? Well, it's because people, because the ransomware essentially goes after the data and the operation of the computers, the systems and the network. And history has told that if you hold someone's data hostage, they're going to pay for it. So that's essentially why it's increasing is because people are, are paying for it and people's systems, uh, a company's systems are not secure enough and therefore it's an easy, easy target. Yeah, the, to, to add to that, there more people are working from home. 
Um, a lot of people working with from home with no really changes in anything. And then also, I think because of the pandemic, there's people that are out of work, you know, maybe people that are, you know, sketchy morally or whatever, who are out of work and who are literally getting into the business of cybercrime. You know, they can go they can go by packages of basically uh, cybercrime as a service, um, if you will. Um, and so there's there's more people getting into it. There's more people that are that are out at risk because we're moving around and things are changing. And, you know, like, and like Andre said, there's people that are paying for the ransoms. And so there's a lot of money in it. And, you know, that's just as a trifuncta of, or whatever, you know, where it's just all coming together as a head. I've read 600% increase in 2020 alone. And I haven't seen stats for 2021, but, to me, if 2020 was doing this, 2021 is just going up exponentially, it seems. And it may just be because of all the news, but it seems like it's growing a lot more even in 2021. Totally, totally. Andre. Yep, I'm here. Got any any comments on this? Or no, no, just, no, just no one on that. You're good? Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, so the White House memo lists five best practices for safeguarding against ransomware attacks. So hopefully they get into that. Um, and we'll see what they are. So um, here we go. The White House memo lists the following five best practices for safeguarding against ransomware attacks. Back up your data. System images and configurations, regularly test them and keep the backups offline. So you guys agree, disagree with that? Oh, yeah. it's That's like a no-brainer. <laughs> like <laughs> we've been we've been talking about that for like, I've been talking about that probably since maybe one of y'all was born. I don't know, but that's, that's an old one. You know what I mean? That's been around forever. Backup, 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 backup. And if you don't have it, it'll cause your cybersecurity company to lose sleep at night. You've got to have backups. Yep. So I, I agree with that. Um, Andre, do you have any, any comments before I chime in? Yeah. And just to, I'm going to steal one of your lines um, about the seatbelts. It's, it's kind of like, you're, you have, the cars were invented, and I'm, I'm stealing your line, Brian, so I'll tell all your, your credit there, but like cars are invented, and the government is realizing that people are, are crashing and they're dying. So now they put in these rules that says, hey, here's the speed limit to limit the amount of crashes. Here's seat belts to put it, you know, no texting while driving, et cetera, et cetera. So like, this is kind of like, you know, 50 years later, computers are are, are, was born and now the government's finally saying, hey, all you using your computers, you gotta back up your data. You gotta have like, you know, it's like, like you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, I, I'm, I applaud them for coming out and saying it, but here's what I wanna caution everybody on. There used to be an old kind of fallacy with ransomware that backups save your bacon in a ransomware attack, right? And we used to actually market around that. Um, but that's no longer the case because there's this thing called double extortion. And if you're not familiar with what double extortion is, in almost every single case that I've been aware of since early 2020, these guys have exfiltrated, if not all the data, a good portion of the data before they encrypt it. Mm -hmm. Why they do this is because when you turn around to them and say, 
ah, screw you, Mr. Cybersecurity or Mr. Cybercriminal. I'm not paying you a dime. I got backups. Mm -hmm. They turn around and say, whoa, 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 not so fast. You might have backups, but we also have all this data and we'll release it. Like Scripps Health is dealing with this right now. Scripps Health got hit with ransomware and all their patient data was stolen. And now they're threatening to release the patient information and or contact the patients directly and extort the patients themselves based on whatever health issues they have or whatever they're being treated for that they may or may not want to get out into the public, right? So this gets ugly and hairy. So yes, you should always have backups for many reasons other than ransomware, but just know that if you get ransomware, you still may end up paying the ransom simply because they've exfiltrated data from your network and they are now holding that hostage over your head and you don't want that getting out into the public versus you know them getting paid to unlock your files. So that's yeah. the big difference in the last 14 months that we've seen that you need to be aware of because don't think you're not paying the ransom just because you have backups. Right, and you also wanna be, your, your data should be encrypted or your risk should be mitigated for knowing that's going to happen, knowing that it's going to, they're going to take the data and try to push it out there and sell it or use extortion, you know? So there, that means that you can't just do the backups, but also the data should be, um, should be encrypted uh, before it goes out. It should be, you could tie it to your network encryption that's based on your network. So if it leaves your network, it's not usable. Nothing's really foolproof, um, but there's things you can do to mitigate that risk of them being able to extort. Yeah, because essentially if you encrypt the data and now they have the data, there, there's nothing really they can do more because they're, they're stuck. And, and just one more thing about backing up your data is how long the, the backup should be. Um, statistics show that usually these hackers are in your systems for at least three months. 120, uh, excuse me, 100, I think it's 120 days, roughly. But, uh, uh, and their goal is that they want to also encrypt your backup. So that way, if you do try to go over your, um, to try to restore from your backup, they have you hostage there as well. So I'm just going to tell everybody right now, we are, we are 10 minutes away from the top of the hour and there's enough here in this that we're just going to cover this today and we'll get into the Fuji film and the NTA stuff. Uh, down the road because um, we only have about 10 more minutes to get through these next four points. So, so update and patch your systems promptly. Okay. And I just want to read the beginning part here. This includes maintaining the security of operating systems, applications, and firmware in a timely manner. Consider using a centralized patch management system. Use a risk-based assessment strategy to drive your patch management program. There's a, there's a lot of things in there. What do you guys think that this means quickly? And then, you know, what's the importance of what, what they're saying here? Because I think this is probably one of the more important points. You're, you need to assess from, from a risk standpoint, you need to assess um, what would happen if your systems are down. What would happen if you had a ransomware attack? What would happen if you had to move your operations to another facility you know, all these all these basic risk risk assessments that have to happen. 
And then in light of that, you've got to make all this other stuff a, a priority, the updating and the patching, the firmware updates, those, those things can be seen by um, as annoying um, sometimes by employees, sometimes by business owners, you know, sometimes by IT people. Um, they can all be seen as annoying, but in light of the risk, which you need to have a risk assessment in place for your, for your business so you know what you could possibly lose and how long you could be down, what it would cost you. In light of all that, man, <laughs> this, this becomes front burner and it's no longer just a hassle. It, it's mm -hmm. something that's life or death. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. So this is, uh, you know, the other things that are important here is that it points out that you have to update operating systems, you have to update applications and you have to update firmware. So the important thing here is like people think of like, you got to do windows updates, right? That's not the only thing you need to do. You need to make sure that your software applications that you use in your business are, are being updated and that the firmware on all these little devices and, and the firmware you can think of like the operating system for all these little devices that you have. So your cameras, you know, if you have Alexas, if you have Google Homes, if you have smart TVs, these things all need to be updated as well. And when you don't update them or you don't even think about them because you, you're not even aware that they need to be updated. These are the things that hackers love that you have on your network that allows them to what we call move laterally, which means that they can get further access into your network or it's like a jumping off point for them to do more damage when they can discover a device on your network that is not, you know, protected and not updated. And this, these, Hackers just love this stuff. Obviously, it has to be done in a timely manner, but here's the more important point. It's saying consider use a centralized patch management system, right? And that's a lot to be said in a, in a few short words in a, in a sentence because not a lot of companies can easily put together a centralized patch management system, right? It involves you know, planning, pouring money into resources, hiring the right talent, buying the right tools. So I'm just going to go out there and say these, they, because they're recommending these types of things, this is where businesses are better off not trying to do this stuff themselves and hiring a competent outside company to help them yep. implement these types of things. Agreed. Yep. So... And then test your incident response plan. So I'm just going to, I'm not even going to read what's here. You need to, you just need to have an incident response plan before you can even think about testing it. And most businesses that I walk into, they don't even know what an incident response plan is, what it looks like, or they've never even heard of it before. So, you know, awesome <laughs> if you have one, definitely test it. But I think a lot of businesses just need to develop one. And, you know, one of the things you should probably do in the next three to four months is sit down with a professional who knows how to write an incident response plan the right way, because there's a lot of things that go into an incident response plan that people might not consider. And if you don't have experience and you try to do this on your own by yourself, 
uh, it could be a problem for you. Yeah, basically um, what this what this means is to have a plan in place before the stuff ever goes bad, before the bad stuff happens and to have a plan in place. And it's more than just, you know, breaking out the fire extinguishers and everybody running around like chickens with their heads, heads cut off, not knowing what to do because their company's under under attack. It's the difference between that. And if you have a response plan in, in place, you know, depending on your industry, you know, you might need to isolate a computer that has it. You know, you may be turning everything off, like depending on your industry, those choices that you make in the first couple of minutes could could mean the difference in hundreds of thousands of dollars that you might have to spend, you know, trying to do um, forensics. I mean, it's very it's very complicated. And so you need like big time a, a, a response plan in place so you'll know exactly what to do um, when stuff goes bad and you don't freak out and make the wrong, you know, the wrong decision or you can't get a hold of somebody. And so you do the wrong thing and ends up costing you an extra $500,000 for forensics or something like that. Yeah, good point. So moving along, because we're running up against the time here, check your security team's work. And I know this is going to upset a lot of people in our industry um, because, you know, there's a little bit of a God complex with IT people. Right. And, and they, they think that, you know, they're the end all be all and nobody should have to look after their stuff, but I'm all for this. Um, you know, I've, I've actually went out and brought in auditors to audit my company and what we do here, you know, and I think like everybody should have to do that. Um, but if you are working with an outside company or you have your own employees that run your security, they, the government and I highly recommend that you hire a third party to come in and penetration test what they're doing from, from a network security standpoint, from a software standpoint, um, and make sure that they are, are covering you and making sure that you're doing everything humanly possible to prevent ransomware in your business. Because when criminals get access to your network, they're not going to stop at one computer they're going to look around and see if they can get to other computers and see if they can exploit other things. And that's what a third party pen testing company will do. They'll, they'll see if they can get in or they'll get access, per, you know, they'll get permission to get access to a computer that they'll work from. And they'll see if they can basically break into your system from that computer or something like that. But I'm all for this. Um, you definitely want to have a third party company who's not part of your IT operations or your security team checking what they want to do. And this needs to become standard practice. And I think we're, we're many, many years off from this becoming standard practices and businesses. Right. Yeah. So anything you want to add to that? Uh, just just not to be afraid of them, because I know a lot of IT companies are going to be like, oh, my gosh, someone's going to come behind me, find all my mistakes. Or if you have an internal IT team, they may think this company or person is going to come and take after their job. Right. And it's got to be for the greater good. You got to look at it as everybody's a team. They're going to, yes, probably find, hopefully they don't. But if they find something, it's like your your job is going to go much, much further if there's no incident versus that one hole that was open because you forgot to check mark something or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. 
Perfect. So last part here, uh, this is more technical, uh, so we won't go too crazy in the technical of it. Um, but there, the government is now suggesting that you segment your networks. Now, easier said than done. Um, if you're going to even consider doing this, and, and again, these are, again, we're going back to the top of this, which is the business leaders to take immediate steps to prepare, right? You're not going to segment your network immediately, <laughs> and it's not going to be quick. And just like a lot of the things that they're recommending are things that if you're not doing today, it's kind of like a B-10 bomber taking off. It's not going to be an F-16 taking off. Like this thing is going to, you got to ramp it up and you got to, you're going to get there over time. This isn't going to be something that you could just call somebody up and be like, hey, can you come out and segment my network? That's not going to happen. That's not what this looks like. Okay. So I just want you to have that understanding. So when you guys see this segment, your network, and you see what's up on the screen, like what are your thoughts and comments? We'll start with Andre and we'll wrap it up with, uh, with Randy. It's actually interesting because I remember when I started IT and I would walk into businesses and they had one department with a separate Comcast internet and another department with a separate Comcast. So I, I don't know if they're trying to imply that, um, but maybe if, if your business is that critical um, and you have certain departments, our, our typical way of doing things is not to get technical VLANs and things like that, but it's going to be interesting if the industry goes back to something where different departments have like it's just a complete cutoff. They don't talk to each other um, in any way. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 crazy. So, Randy, what what do you want to leave our audience with? Uh, two things. One, there was a huge attack at USAA years years ago, and having segmented networks literally saved the company. Um, the attack was so bad it infected the uh, BIOS of the computers. And basically the section that was attacked, they had to basically throw away all their computers and get all new computers, but having it segmented, save them. And then I, I would say this, this principle needs to apply from top to bottom, not even just on your network, but segment everything that you can, mm -hmm. you know, segment um, uh, data that people have access to, you know, segment uh, role uh, roles, responsibilities, segment, you know, just think through that. How can you keep things separate? So if say the, the CEO got a ransomware on his computer or her computer, like um, how can you keep that, you know, not only from a network standpoint, but from other things that that person has access to, you know, how can you put in roadblocks to keep, to keep cyber criminals from spreading around uh, faster and through everything? Yep. And you know, that's, that's all, you know, great points. And, you know, you don't want, you know, your marketing person or the person responsible for your billing, you know, to be able to take down the systems that make you money or the systems that produce what you produce, right? So it's very important to make sure that you have these things segregated so they don't become a problem. So, so that's, that's it for us, folks. We're going to wrap it up. There was a lot to cover here. We kind of blew through it like rapid fire. Uh, Randy, thanks for joining us. Yep. Um, we're gonna dive, I'm sure we're going to dive into more uh, ransomware attacks um, next week when they happen because it doesn't seem like there's any shortage of this stuff going on 
in the world. And, uh, you know, every time Andre and I finish up uh, a week's worth of podcasts, there's, there's like three, four more cyber attacks that hit the news that we can talk mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, so I doubt there'll be any shortage of this stuff in, in the near future. So we look forward to bringing it to you all. You guys uh, have any last words you want to say before we, we cut off the uh, feed here? Have a great week and stay safe. Yeah, buddy. Likewise. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.